your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to a Friday of Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm Rick Sola. I'm like that guy just said. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line, which I will be turning on as I talk, and you can text. 608-785-7914. Dr. Anthony Tregoski is going to join us in nine minutes or so. We can break down the Democratic National Convention. He's got some other news, too. Something about a presidential debate. He's he's tweeting. He's tweeting about it. And then Grant Bills is tweeting back at him. Because Anthony forgot to tweet me, include me in the at. He didn't at me in this tweet. Grant Bills was upset about that. A new COVID compass. Don't call it a compass. Is uh, online. Uh, Lacrosse County COVID metrics. No, that's not what it's called. Where's the homepage? The Cooley COVID-19 Collaborative. There it is. I call it the triple C. I called it the CCC last week, but then you get confused with like the CDC. And the triple C sounds way cooler. It's way hip, right? And uh, I went live today, Lacrosse County Health Briefing at noon. They do these things at noon on Friday now. Not really sure why they do them at noon Friday. I feel like we should do them at noon Monday or at noon right in the middle of the week. Friday. Like nobody, like how many people are paying attention at noon on Friday? That's called the news dump. Although it's a little early. Noon's a little early for the news dump on Fridays, but that's when they do it. Uh, The Compass is, it's not the Compass, the Triple C. Sorry, sorry, Lacrosse County Health Department. The the Triple C is, uh, they, they had a sneak peek is what they called it last week. And, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's got three compasses now. And instead of a compass, it, the, they're just stoplights. So we're at the yellow stoplight in case, in, in terms of new cases. And we're at the green stoplight, stop and go light, right? Like, cause it's green. We're at the green stop and go light for hospitalization rate and, uh, COVID care capacity. So we're good there. Cases are kind of going up. Not so good there. Not bad, but not good. So we're not green, but we're also not red. We're yellow, so we're punching it. <laughs> uh, part of that, if you hover over it too, it says the, the traje- trajectory from last week is decreasing, although we had 21 cases yesterday. But we had a National Guard testing site, so we had too many cases. We, had a, we have an excuse for the cases, right? People could get tested for free. They could go to the testing site. So they did. And in, if they if they can't get tested for free, then they're not going go to go get tested. Then we're not going to have more cases. Because who wants to pay for a test? You just stay home until you get sick. 608-785-7914. Uh, caller, who's this? Tom. Hey, Tom, you're on the air. Go ahead. All right. Hey, I was just wondering if anybody, if you or anybody out there knows, what's up with that? Uh, Julia Bell flame that cool old boat there. I see where it's sitting on the Black River, but did they just stop all uh, restoration efforts on that, or is there a plan for that? Is anybody? It's on the it's on the Black River. It? Where is it? 
It's on the Black River, just, on the left bank. Just somewhere on the Black River or somewhere in particular? I don't know. Oh, it's over by Midwest Industrial Fueling, just uh, south of Copeland Park. Oh, okay. Um, I have no idea. <laughs> Sorry, I, I just... I'm, I, Brad Williams might know if he's listening right now. He he'll he'll come thundering in here, uh, but I, but I could I couldn't tell you. <laughs> he knows you. everything. He does no, and he's he's kind of into that stuff, and he writes stories on those things all the time. Uh, so yeah, I'm sorry, Tom. I, I couldn't help you. Maybe somebody will call in in the next uh, couple minutes too if they know. All right, thanks. No problem. Yeah. Well, thanks for nothing, Rick. Right? Thanks for nothing. Uh, County Cooley Continuum, because the virus will go on forever until everyone gets it. That's what uh, Phil texted in. The, the, the triple C for him is the County Cooley Continuum. Yeah, I was kind of thinking that, too. Is uh, The virus is going to go on forever until we all get it and then don't have it anymore. They did talk about the reinfection for a very, very, very short time today in terms of somebody in the county getting it once and then three months or more later getting it again, calling it a re- reinfection and uh, not a relapse where the virus was always in your body and never went away. Uh, but we kind of skated over that. We didn't want to talk. We Jim Rabalski and the and company didn't really want to talk about that. I don't know why. Well, one of the doctors there did say, like, it's highly likely that nobody's ever gotten reinfected. So that's, like, awesome news. Nobody's gotten reinfected, really, they, the, the, from, from what they can tell. That would be great, right? Like, you get it once and that's it. But, uh... All right, so what else happened during that meeting? They talked about colleges going back to school, colleges going back, students going back to college. How about that? And the idea that uh, a bunch of 20-year-olds are going to be in the dorms, isolating, right? All college students will do is go to their dorms. When they leave their dorms, they'll put on a mask until they get outside. They'll go to class. Before they get into the building to go to class, they'll put on a mask. They'll listen to their class, take notes. Uh, they probably do that on an iPad now or something, right? It'd be hard to take. Uh, if you have a keyboard. I guess I haven't been in class where everyone has a keyboard. It must be annoying the whole time. Um, are we doing that with, with iPads? it got to be hard to keep up notes on iPads. I'd probably still use a notebook, maybe. I don't know. So uh, anyway, yeah, <laughs> sidetrack. And then, uh, you know, they'll leave class, get out of the building probably go to another class they probably got a couple of classes and then get done with class maybe maybe uh go to the i don't know the cafeteria going to be open so they're going to go to the cafeteria put a mask on sit down take the mask off eat get up put the mask on go to the back to their dorm and get put the mask on go into their dorm room lock the door and then don't come out until the next day when classes start and don't let any of your friends in the dorm because we're at solo people in each dorm room, right? And then uh, they won't they won't be playing video games or watching movies with, with other people in the dorm. They'll definitely put a mask on every time they leave their dorm room, go to the, down the hallway and into the bathroom, and then come back. I do that every day at work. I never forget my mask here. I got busted two days ago. Just kind of la, 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 la. And, the boss man. Hey, where's your mask? I'm like, oh, <laughs> it's. I had it. I just forgot. I, I don't. It's not muscle memory yet. All right, I'm gonna let Brad do the news. Bring Chergoski on here and uh, break down some of that 
that DNC convention and maybe preview the, the one coming up and some special debate news. All right, we'll be back. Here in Wisconsin, in case anybody forgot, we have some of the most gerrymandered maps in all of America. And that's what this year's election is all about for me. And I think for you also. Sure, it's about defeating the Trumpster and making sure his brand of nonsense comes nowhere near the White House again. And I know Joe is going to win in November, but it's also about the maps. And the Trumpster. Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm Rick Solom. Uh, joining me now is Dr. Anthony Tregoski, and he likes to be called a political scientist at UW Lacrosse. Uh, how's it going, Anthony? It's going well, Rick. I, I, I thought you had, might have had to bleep out the Trumpster thing. I mean, that's pretty harsh language um, right there. Yeah, I, I can still dump it. I got 20 seconds for, <laughs> as long as it, I could still dump it. Yeah. That's, you know, he's got the, he's got, uh, him and Biden have these phrases that are, haven't been used since, you know, before we were born and Trump's are not really, but holy mackerel. I think Evers says that one a lot. And, and yeah. Biden says a couple that I honestly, I can't even think of off the top of my head because they, I've just never used them. And I'm like, Oh yeah, that's something I think my grandpa used to say. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's like reminding us, oh, wait, these are really old guys here on the ballot. Yeah, and and, uh, we picked them. So good job. Good job, everybody. Good job. It's very, very well represented. And I always see these these, these, uh, stats, uh, uh, the the idea that Congress is, you know, the average age of Congress is like I I think in the 60s and the average age of the Senate is maybe – Maybe maybe it's sixties and fifties somewhere around there, but it's up there, and it's I don't. Is that a problem? You think we can just go? Well, let's just go there. Is that? I mean, it, it, we do we need young blood in there? Or do we need these like experienced veterans who know how to work the system? Because I think they work it too well sometimes. Yeah, Rick. You know, I do think it is a problem in the sense that people of different ages might have different perspectives on the issues. Plus, I think that you have to just wonder about people's capacity to do the job. You know, Rick, you talk to some people who cover the United States Senate, and they'll tell you that there are some senators who are so old, they're just barely functioning still, which is a little disconcerting that people like that are serving in the government. And then you even get to the courts, and Ruth Bader Ginsburg is like 87, and like most of them are over 60. So it's not exactly a very young government, at least at the top levels of it. Yeah, and we can really expose them all when we hand them an iPad and go, hey, can you connect to, uh, you know, connect to, you know, your your secretary via Zoom? And then we're like, via what? What is an iPad? Rick, Rick you got to check out this great video today from Ted Kaufman, who's a Senate, uh, senator. Uh, and he uh, was having some problems. Oh, it was actually Tom Carper. He was having some problems with Zoom today. And uh, let's just say a couple F-bombs were flying that went over the airwaves. And Ron John had to try to, uh, you know, handle that because he was running the hearing today with uh, uh, Postmaster General DeJoy. Oh, so Ron Johnson. Yeah, I think I did see. I didn't hear it. I think I just saw the clip and I had I, I couldn't get my phone to turn on. I had it on mute. No, but I did. I saw Ron Johnson's face and I saw some guy like, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I did see that one. I didn't I wasn't I didn't know he was F-bombing, though. I guess I didn't hear it clearly. Um, and I won't play that over the air. 
was I? <laughs> well, you can see Ron Johnson just like trying not to crack up. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> we can't be humanizing Ron Johnson. Quit it. We need we this guy. Ron Johnson does not laugh at anything. What are you talking about? Um, yeah. So Evers yesterday talks. You know, he calls out the Trumpster. He says Joe Biden go, is going to win, but like he's he's got more pressing issues on his hand. The idea that. Uh, you know, the maps are going to be drawn after the election and we're clearly not going to have there's no hope in sight, right, of having some kind of Iowa, uh, Iowa system in, in place where we draw the maps with some nonpartisan commission. No, Rick, it really all comes down to whether or not the Republicans can achieve veto proof majorities in both chambers of the state legislature. They need three seats added to their margins in each of the chambers, the state assembly and the state senate. And if they can do that, they can do whatever the heck they want with the map drawing, you know, because they can override the inevitable veto that would come their way for whatever uh, maps they come up with. So really, the only relevant question for redistricting is whether or not the Republicans can achieve that veto-proof majority in the state legislature. All right. Holy mackerel, folks. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, there we go. Um, so yeah, that 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 supermajority, the uh, the veto list, whatever you want to call it. I think they're, Evers was trying to get pound sign save the veto or hashtag save the veto going, something like that. Um, just it's a very if, if, the 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 Democrats have terrible messaging. I think when it comes to just in general, like that's that's where we're going. Save the veto. Nobody even knows. And then. What are we saving the veto? What is that? Oh, your governor veto? We have to save that? What are we saving it from? Gerrymandering. Gerrymandering? What is that again? Like, we need we need better terms for all these things. And, Rick, that's why I thought that the Democratic National Convention was, like, surprisingly clear this week in terms of the Democrats' messaging. Because you're right. I do think that Democrats often get bogged down in sort of these minor details and these complicated matters that are just difficult for people to understand if they just casually follow politics. But basically, the message from their convention this week was Joe Biden is a nice guy. So, I mean, like it was it was like shockingly simple, like a shockingly simple message for the Democrats to drive home because they're usually not very good at that. But they really, I mean, were able to stay focused throughout the week at the uh, Democratic National Convention. Yeah, I've, I've had this argument with other people. It's the, the idea of having that you have to dumb down everything if you want the general yep. population. And it sounds mean, but like if you dumb it down, I mean, some of the best shows we have in here uh, back when Mitch was the host, the be- like one of the best shows we had were dogs pooping in the park when lacrosse uh, kind of opened up and let people walk their dogs in the park because everyone can relate to having a dog or walking in the park and somebody's dog has pooped in the you know in your walkway and you stepped in it. Um, so so the idea you know and the Republicans always have socialism and the liberals and there's there's all these talking points that you just what socialism ah and then the the Democrats I don't I don't what what are some good do the Democrats have any good ones because I can't off the top of my head I can't think of any. Like, where you just trigger words that get me really pissed about Republicans. 
Not really, Rick, but I, I think that they basically just went this week with the isn't Joe Biden a nice old man kind of message. And, you know, wouldn't it wouldn't he be kind of a nice guy to have in the Oval Office and things would just kind of go back to normal and you wouldn't have to worry about the president tweeting and you wouldn't have to worry about what the president was saying. So, I mean, I do think it was a pretty simple message that the Democrats were able to deliver. And Rick, to your point, you know, I heard people complaining, well, the Democrats didn't talk enough about policy. They focused so much on these emotional appeals. Well, that's what matters. I mean, that's what connects right. with so many people out there because, you know, Rick, the voters, most voters aren't doing careful research on the policy issues. They're judging candidates based on their character, based on their personality. So it's no shock at all that that's what the Democrats went at throughout the week, even though people were, were moaning and groaning about how the Democrats didn't really lay out a lot of specifics for their policy agenda. Yeah, we we t- we kind of I I see this meme every once in a while. Like, can we just not have a president? We need to be single for a couple of years. Can we just go to no president so we can relax? And man, maybe Joe Biden is kind of that guy where he's kind of you know like we don't we're not stressing out about what maybe is going to come out of the you know the president's mouth or uh, you know on his Twitter feed the at what any hour of the day. Yeah, Rick, you know, I think that that was a major theme of the Democratic Convention. And I think it's a theme that they think will connect with undecided voters or persuadable voters, you know, people who are just tired and people who are just exhausted by the constant news and people who just want to return to some kind of normalcy. I, You know, it's a boring message, but I do think that's kind of what the Democrats were trying to sell this week, just like going back to some kind of version of normal. Yeah, the, I think that was kind of their message. The Daily Show kind of does this, too. Like, if we had that, you know, man, the the news outlets, I mean, we, we would lose a subject matter to talk about once a week, and the news outlets wouldn't have anything to talk about. The Daily Show does this every once in a while. They They play... They've got a montage of things that like conservative radio was was uh, mad about during Obama's eight years. The tan suit. I think Obama rode a bicycle with his helmet on. That was another one. Have you seen these? Like, you know, they're like minute or two montages of and they're just clips of like Rush Limbaugh and Sean Hannity just outraged that Obama would wear a tan suit or ride a bicycle with a helmet on. Yeah, you know, Rick, I think the Trump administration has completely messed with our idea of what is newsworthy, because the Trump administration, the quantity of news that is generated by the Trump administration and just the speed of the news cycle are unlike anything we've ever seen before. It's really hard to keep up with. And I I say this as someone who does this for a living, like it's hard to keep up with all the news that is generated from the White House. It's just an incredibly fast pace and, and, and a lot to keep up with. That is not like any of the recent presidents we've had. Well, I mean, yeah, and some say that's by design to flood the news with with so much information that they can't keep up. And they also look like they're picking on on Trump or Trump's administration because there is so much news uh, that's negative. And then, you know, yesterday, Steve Bannon, what did he get arrested on some giant yacht out in the middle out somewhere because he's he's stealing money for the border wall? Like what what's going on? 
Yeah, apparently he and some other people had this thing. It was like a GoFundMe for the border wall. I'm not even making this up. It, it was like a, a crowdfunding online fundraiser for the border wall, and it raised millions of dollars, and apparently he was just using it for his yacht. Right. And Steve Bannon, like the former like chief strategist for Donald Trump. And then he's just on he's just to add to the list. Michael Flynn, Roger Stone, Paul Manafort, Michael Cohen, Rick Gates, uh, George Papadopoulos. Like it just the list goes on and on, like of these people that have been charged with with something that have worked in the Trump administration. That's what I tell you, Rick. I mean, the, the drama, the amount of drama, like the daily soap opera. You know, Rick, there was a recent study that showed that Trump was the subject of like 25% of all news stories published in the major newspapers compared to 10% Barack Obama, 10% of the stories he was the subject of. So in other words, Donald Trump is getting like two and a half times the amount of media coverage that Barack Obama did. If somebody just told you, if somebody came to you today and you didn't know any of that, like you could still be a political science professor and all, or scientist, sorry, and and you didn't know any of that, and somebody said, you know, Donald Trump's taking twenty five percent of, I don't know if it, you call it headlines or he's in twenty five percent of the news. Would you go, yeah, that seems low? <laughs> it, it's really hard to say, Rick, because again, like Donald Trump has really messed, I think, with our idea of what is and is not newsworthy. Um, because things that maybe would not have been newsworthy in another administration are in this one, some things that are newsworthy. It's just, it's really been, I think, a challenge for the news media to figure out, like, well, what is and what isn't worth reporting on with Donald Trump? And so I think it's really challenging to say, like, is 25% too much or not enough? On the one hand, Donald Trump is a president like we've never seen before. But on the other hand, I mean, that's far more media coverage. And he's taking up a far greater share of the media coverage than previous presidents have. Yeah. And then on top of that, it's it's like what we should and what the media should and shouldn't cover. Okay, this is, you know, maybe we could toss that aside. His golfing habits, maybe we could throw that out. We were only... Donald Trump brings up Obama's golfing habits. Therefore, it's kind of a funny story and it's dumbed down, right? We can all relate to a president golfing too much, whether it's, you know, your president or, you know, the guy you didn't vote for. But on the flip side, then there's stuff that's so important that we just kind of let it like uh, like the Russia investigation, right? There's still news coming out about the Russia investigation. And then all anyone hears is, oh, really? Russia was fake. It was uh, like Donald Trump didn't get impeached for it. It didn't happen. Right. But it's like, mm, actually, the Senate has come out. You know, these guys, you know, other government agencies have come out with new information on the fact that, yeah, Russia did interfere in our election. I think that is a way that Donald Trump has almost kind of hacked the media, Rick, that so much news is generated from his administration and so much news attention focuses on his administration that sometimes it's hard to sort, well, what is trivial versus what is important, what is worth paying attention to and what isn't worth paying attention to. When you just get flooded with news every day, it gets really hard to sort out what matters and what doesn't. And that's why sports are so important. <laughs> All right, we're going to continue this conversation with Dr. Anthony Shugowski. We'll be back. We've got Scott's comment the news coming up after this. 
All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. Dr. Anthony Chagoski, political science professor at UW-Lacrosse. He's also a scientist, and uh, <laughs> he, he's joining me. I, I did it wrong again. I'm doing, I could just do it to spite you. I got a couple of texts here. Um, Joe says Russia has always interfered in U.S. elections. That's nothing new. Is that true? Is it just like that's nothing new? We don't need to worry about them doing that then? Uh, certainly other countries would have an interest in interfering in American elections. I think that, you know, the Russia investigation was about the nature of the contacts between the Trump administration, uh, sorry, the Trump campaign and the Russian government. That That's really what the Mueller investigation was about. But certainly foreign adversaries are very interested in interfering in American elections. Um, another texter here, Anthony, says, have you ever thought about the fact that not having the same old lifetime politician is a good thing? Yes, of course. And then second second question, also, why don't you bring up the the, the some of the millions of dollars Hillary, Hillary funneled to the Clinton Foundation? So when's the last time Hillary was involved in the government? Well, Rick, you know, that brings me to an observation I had about the Democratic Convention. That was the Obama show this week. It just really was in terms of Michelle Obama and Barack Obama playing starring roles. Like, if you blinked, you missed the Clintons because they put Bill Clinton in this really kind of obscure time slot with this really short speech. Yeah. And the same for Hillary Clinton. It's clear that the Democrats just didn't even want to have to deal with the Clintons and just wanted to let the Obamas take center stage. Um, just to clarify here, the, the, the Joe that texted in about the Russia thing and the Clinton thing is not cool Joe. That's a different Joe. He's tech. The cool Joe is now texting me in just to say he's the cool Joe. So just, just so <laughs> everyone knows, <laughs> um, we yeah. got to get that on the record. Yeah, I, I had to. Uh, okay. So the, the, the DNC convention obviously wrapped up yesterday. It was pretty interesting. Let me see if I could find this. Uh, this was, you know, this is kind of funny when, when, uh, the, you know, the House Speaker is is on our, you know, DNC convention and, and our state is, you know, front and center. And she said this, Nancy Pelosi. No, no pressure. It's all riding on Wisconsin. No pressure. And then Eric Holder comes out with with this. I mean, if, if I don't know who said which first, but if Nancy Pelosi said that and then Eric Holder's like, oh, yeah, well, I'm going to say this. The electoral map, if you look at it, Wisconsin is, is a critical state. You know, the fate of the United States, the fate of the Western world is on your shoulders. The fate of the Western world's on Wisconsin. Like, geez. <laughs> yeah, the fate of the Western world is is on, like, how a couple thousand swing voters in Western Wisconsin go this November. I mean, like, I, but, you know, I, I, and I don't know if I agree with the hyperbole there. I mean, I think that's a pretty extreme statement. What I will say, though, is this, Rick, you know, one thing has not changed throughout all of the madness that has been 2020, and that is that Wisconsin remains really the pivotal election in the the pivotal state in the presidential election. And that hasn't changed all along. By that, I mean that whoever wins Wisconsin would win the presidential election. So, you know, I don't know if Wisconsin will make the difference between a candidate winning and losing, but we would call Wisconsin the tipping point state, meaning that you have to win Wisconsin in order to win the election. And will we know who's going to win the election by 
you know, early November, what is it, 4th? November, will we know that with all the, 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 the way the balloting is going and mail-in votes? And how, what do you think? Oh, that's a terrific question, Rick. And, and I honestly don't know. It is possible that we could go a couple of days without knowing the winner of the election. There is a scenario where we would probably know pretty quickly. And that depends on how some of these East Coast states get called. You know, if Florida gets called early on election night. If North Carolina gets called early on election night. Yeah, then I think we'll have a pretty good sense of how the election is going. But people do need to be prepared to potentially not know the winner of the election on election night. And yeah, I think that's something that we just have to get used to if we're going to have an election with lots of mail-in ballots. That yeah, is going to take a bit of time to get the count right. And that's not because there's anything shady going on. It's just because it takes you know time to get the count correct. And so we may not know, because of the unusual circumstances of this election, it's entirely possible that we may not know who won for a couple of days. Okay, so bringing back to your point about Wisconsin, I had the La Crosse County clerk on, Ginny Dinkmeyer, earlier this week, and she said ballots in Wisconsin, they got to be to the clerks by, I think, 8 p.m. on Election Day, so they can start counting. She sounded like she they would have their count done uh, in you know, well, probably well into the night, but you know, we would we would find out how Wisconsin went early November fourth. If if that's the case, and Wisconsin's going to be the pivotal state, why don't we just focus? Like, just as long as we know what Wisconsin is, which way Wisconsin went, then we're good. We won't need to know these other states. You know, Rick, I think there's a lot to be said for that. I mean, if we know on election night which way Wisconsin went. I could say you could predict with 95% accuracy which candidate won the overall election because Wisconsin is just going to be so predictive of the overall electoral college that if we get a quick count and if we get a quick result out of Wisconsin, that could settle this pretty quickly. Holy mackerel, folks. (laughs) Um, but so the the conspiracy there is is uh they're gonna find uh trunk loads of biden votes after trump wins wisconsin is what's gonna happen trunk loads of of all the votes going for biden later into the night rick this is a real problem for the republicans and there's a lot of anxiety if you talk to republican operatives you'll hear a lot of anxiety about this they really rely on their voters mailing in ballots. That's something that their voters have gotten used to over the years, especially the elderly Republicans in states like Florida and Arizona and really all over the country. There are many Republicans that are used to voting by mail and are now not sure about that because of Donald Trump's rhetoric. And so what you're seeing is that some some Republican campaign operatives are trying to figure out how to convince Republicans that it's okay to vote by mail in spite of the rhetoric that they're hearing from the White House. Yeah, they could just go, you know, Donald Trump votes by mail and most of his, you know, a lot of his cabinet does as well. Um, All right. So just just looking at as the DNC convention wrapped up and the GOP convention comes up, I don't is it when does that start? I don't I guess I don't even know off the top of my head. It's a uh, Monday through Thursday next week. Oh, okay. So, um, so it begins next week. Do we know it's going to be in Raleigh, North Carolina? I believe, but do, but is it going to be in North Carolina? 
<laughs> well, Rick, this has been a moving target. You know, it was going to be in Charlotte, but then they weren't happy with the restrictions that Roy Cooper, the Democratic governor of North Carolina, was going to put on them for their meeting in terms of mask requirements and physical distancing requirements. And so then they moved it to Jacksonville, Florida, but the cases in Jacksonville of COVID were too high. And who the heck wants to be in Jacksonville in the middle of August? You know, that's not a pleasant situation. Neither, wait, so North Carolina isn't any better. Is they're moving it virtual or they're having it in a number of different sites around the country. Oh, OK. So it is going to be kind of a virtual when 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 Republicans rip on the DNC not having their thing in milwaukee while you know mike pence and trump and what was was donald trump jr in wisconsin too as as well i I can't remember um but just as as they prayed around wisconsin making fun of the dnc having a virtual convention the the gop is going to probably have a virtual convention maybe Basically, Rick, you know, and a lot is not known yet about the exact format and the particular speakers who will be participating in the Republican National Convention. And, you know, Rick, I I think that it's fair to say the Democrats put on a pretty slick show. You know, they had people around the country who were speaking live, speaking via tape. They had a number of different speakers. They had, I I think, a really just well-produced event that was appealing for TV, Rick. And that's at the end of the day, that's what these things have become, these national party conventions. They're just giant infomercials. And if you judge the Democrats by did they put on a good infomercial, I think they did at least reasonably well. Yeah, definitely. I would have watched it, but the NBA playoffs were on, so I didn't watch any of it. Um, and then, you know, the, the Democratic convention, they had, they had, they, you know, they have all the players. You talk about Michelle Obama, Barack Obama, and, uh, you know, who, the rest of the government officials that, yeah, do we need to hear them talk? Uh, okay, I guess. Okay. Beyond the Obamas, of course we need to hear them talk. But they also had like a kid whose parents died of the virus or who had a parent die of the virus. They had, um, the, the other kid who overcame a stutter, you know, what was, was he inspired by Joe Biden? Cause Joe Biden has overcome a stutter. And then the GOP convention, it sounds like they're going to have the kid that wore the MAGA hat at a pro-life rally in D.C. that, you know, that sparked all kinds of weird news. Was that last summer? And then they're going to have them two weirdos, that lawyer that in that, what was he wearing, a pink polo shirt? And he's, they're, they're holding guns really awkwardly in their yard as a protest marches by. Like, those are going to be the speakers at the GOP convention. What are we doing? Well, we'll we'll see how the speaker lineup fleshes out, Rick. But, you know, as you noted, I think the Democrats really leaned heavily on those emotional appeals, like the the kid with the stutter and the people whose families have had uh, maybe issues with COVID-19 or families who are concerned about their health care. And again, you know, that's just what appeals to the average voter. It's just the reality that, uh, you know, the average voter is not interested in getting into the policy weeds. They are very much affected by those personal stories and emotional appeals. And that's totally how the Democrats design their convention. And I'll be interested to see if the Republicans try to follow suit, you know, if they try to make some of those emotional appeals and make those emotional connections. And also, Rick, I'm going to be watching how do they go after Joe Biden? Because 
the Trump campaign has gone through a number of different messages that have tried to down uh, that have tried to put down Joe Biden. They've called him old. They've called him sleepy Joe. They've called him Beijing Biden. They've called him, you know, they they focused on his family, like Hunter Biden. I think now the latest is that they're talking about him as this empty vessel who will just be controlled by the far left within his party. <laughs> so the problem for the Republicans is that we're not too far out from the election. And they are still trying to figure out what kind of attack on Joe Biden clicks. They need a they need and, a chant, right? They need to lock her up. They need something, right? This is the problem for the Republicans in a nutshell. Like there were so many people out there, Rick, who just hated Hillary Clinton. But people don't feel that same passion for Joe Biden. Well, there's no chance either. That drain the swamp, lock her up. We need a three-syllable Joe anti-Joe Biden. You know, Joe Biden sucks. I got it. That was it. I mean, it's easy. It just it's got to be three syllables, though. I guess Biden is two syllables, so it doesn't work. But yeah, I mean, you know, Rick, they this is the problem. I mean, crooked Hillary, lock her up. That is a pretty clear message. It's about as clear as you can get. And the Republicans just have not been able to attack Joe Biden with kind of the consistent and clear message that they had with Hillary Clinton in 2016. Yeah, it helps that people kind of like Joe Biden, too. I don't know if people like Hillary Clinton just in general. I mean, maybe, but I don't know. Well, that I mean, I think that in a nutshell is one of the biggest differences between this election and and 2016. It's Donald Trump's opponent is the big difference. People felt very strongly either way about Hillary Clinton. There were lots of people who loved Hillary Clinton, and there were lots of people who despised Hillary Clinton. But with Joe Biden, there's a lot of people who kind of like him and a lot of people who kind of don't like him. But people just don't get fired up about Joe Biden. And that is a challenge for Donald Trump, because if he's going to win this election, he has to disqualify Joe Biden in the minds of many. And he has to really raise Joe Biden's unfavorability. And so far, that has been a difficult task for him, far more difficult than it was in 2016 with Hillary Clinton. Definitely. All right. Dr. Anthony Jagoski, UW UW lacrosse political scientist. Uh, Thanks a lot for joining us. I got to I got to get you out of here. Let you enjoy the weekend. Thanks so much, Rick. All right. Bye bye. All right. We're going to take another quick break. We'll wrap up after this. All right. Welcome back to lacrosse talk. PM. We have we have uh, two minutes here. And uh, the phone is ringing. So we'll go to we'll go to Clyde. Clyde, go ahead. You're on the air. Hey, I have two issues. One is uh, has to do with Russian meddling, and the other is has to do with gerrymandering. First, how many votes were affected by Russian meddling? I don't know. Next? Uh, Rob Rosenstein said there were no ballots affected, nor were any votes affected by Russian meddling. Okay. All they did, all they did, was buy advertising on social media. Okay, you're cool with that. Gerrymandering, go. Gerrymandering. I've uh, asked this question of the uh, the comrade from uh, Viterbo Knutson, and he dodged it. And I was hoping to ask uh, your new professor.
All right. Well, I'm not. If you're gonna call them, I'm not gonna go there. Uh, Joe, you got 30 seconds. Joe, 30 seconds. Uh, you keep on missing the point. We don't think that uh, mail is gonna drop the vote or uh, Trump votes mail. You know, he mails in his vote. So we don't care about you know. Even if a family member changes all the votes over, what we're caring about is if you give the opportunity for all these dates for votes to be mailed in. There's going to be hidden boxes of mail-in votes everywhere, and they're not going to discredit them because they're going to get about halfway through on election night, and they're going to say, oh, we're going to give an extra month. All right, thanks, Joe. That wraps it up. Have a good weekend.